that I called my father and I was like, listen, I want to know the answers. I am asking because I want to know. I am not asking to cause drama. I'm not asking to cause issues. I really want to know the answer and I'm not going to stop asking until I get an answer. Welcome to the Co-Create Cafe. This is a space where we get curious about expanding our mental freedom, listening to our soul, and co-creating our best life. Join me and my guests as we explore living intentionally and discovering more choice in our everyday. I'm Esty Raskin. Thank you, Kayla Goldstein, for joining us today in the Co-Create Cafe. I'm really excited to speak with you in person and like in a real conversation, as opposed to like our little DM stuff that we do sometimes on Instagram. Instagram has been amazing for meeting people. And then this podcast format is where I get to like do real conversations. So I'm really excited to talk to you. So Kayla is mom of two, right? Mom of two? Mm-hmm. And talented interior designer. And she's in middle of writing or finished writing. I feel like this book is maybe not the end of your journey, but like where your journey has been taking you the last few years. So can you tell us about the book and tell us how it started? Okay, so I had a baby about five years ago. He's going to be five on Hanukkah in like a week. And when he was born, I had just like a very terrible experience. Just overall, I was in a bad place, like, location wise we lived very far from everybody I knew I was very unhealthy I hemorrhaged during the birth and clinically died just like from every aspect of my life just everything was terrible so I kind of went into this deep depression and I was really not doing well and it wasn't necessarily that I like went off the derrick and like just decided to drop it it was just more that I just couldn't even be bothered and I couldn't didn't I didn't even cross my mind like I didn't even think about it like religion was not on my radar I was just like trying to survive so you grew up religious right yes I grew up very religious I'm the daughter of very big rough okay so then when this happened it just wasn't working for you anymore so it wasn't working for me anymore and it made me realize that like I always kind of just did it because it was what we did like it was routine And I wasn't religious because I believed any of it or I wanted to do any of it or I thought any of it was making my life better. I was just doing it because that's what we did. And if you didn't do it, you lost everything. So then I was like, screw it. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. I'm not like, I'm not even trying. Like my husband brought something up once and he was like, the baby was like three weeks old. And I was just like, I don't care. (laughs) I I don't even care. And then through, it took a long time, but it got to a point where I was like, well, before I just walk away from everything, I should probably find out why so many people do it. Because there are so many people who keep religion. And I was like, well, maybe they like have a reason. So I should find out. So I started asking questions and finding out like the reasons we do things. And like for real though, not like the answers that like you get, like the typical answers, but like for real, like why does Hashem want me to do this? And like, who is Hashem? And why did he even make me? Why does he care what I do? And why can't I just wear pants? Sometimes it just comes down to that. (laughs) Yeah, like it was like huge questions like, okay, why did he make the world? And it was like tiny questions like, why does he care about every little detail of my life? And I started finding answers. I started talking to friends and writing notes and people were just like, wait, what? Like everybody felt the same way as me. Everybody was like, even people who were religious because they believed in religion were like, wait, that's why I light the Shabbos candles? Like, what? Like, just really cool things. So I started sharing my notes. I ended up opening an Instagram account, and I ended up publishing my notes in a book. 
And it kind of like, that's like a very short version. Like it, it evolved and evolved. It took four years to write the book. And now it's being published by my father's company. My father owns Mosaico Press. That's so exciting that it's actually getting out there. It's like, it's actually crazy. So what is the book cover that is new in the market? Like what's different about it? So this book, I don't think there's anything like it. It's called Questioning the Answers. And it is a book. Basically, it's like my journal. It's questions and then answers and how each answer led to the next question. It's really like a, the original name of the book was journals of a FFBBT. <laughs> that was yeah. the original name, but it was too much of a tongue twister. So we nixed it, but that was the original name of the book. Like mm-hmm. it's really, really, really just my journal. And it really asks questions that there's no filter on the questions and there's no filter on the answers. And it asks questions on every topic. Feminism, Shabbos, rabbis, Torah, Hashem. There's no taboo. There's no filtered answers. I mean, I tried my best. When they edited my book, they like kept pushing. So I got, I'm like a little nervous. <laughs> like some stuff got filtered out. But like I really tried to, for it to be filter free and just ask anything. And the point is, the whole reason that I agreed to publish the book, which I originally didn't want to do, was because I have my father, who is a huge Talmud Chacham and very, very supportive of me and always had time to answer me. And I have my husband who was like, cool, whatever, do your thing. Like, right now you don't want to cover your hair? That's fine, don't cover your hair. He was like, I don't care. Like, you're a good person. I think you're a good person. Your religion doesn't define me and it's fine. Like, and I think that that was really very rare. Mm-hmm. And the reason I published the book, the reason I opened my Instagram account was to share that space. Like I have this space that's very, very safe space to explore Judaism and Mm -hmm. be the kind of Jew I want to be, not necessarily the kind of Jew I was raised to be. And no judgment, like nobody wrote me out of the family. Nobody like took my kids away. I didn't get divorced. Like it was fine. Right. And I think not everyone has that. Not everyone has that safe space to ask questions from. Right. And even if they do, they don't necessarily have somebody like my father who can answer them. Right. Or learn with you and find the answer with you. And I really wanted to share it. The Instagram became a place where people started asking questions. And a lot of those questions are in the book. They're not necessarily all my questions. So you did more research once you started hearing other people's questions. Yeah, the book went from being like a pamphlet to a page book. Wow. I'm so excited to read it. It's really cool. (laughs) I'm excited. You also have like a great voice. Like it's so dynamic and fresh and like engaging that I'm really excited to read it. Like it doesn't it doesn't sound like it could be a boring book. I'm not a rabbiting. I think that's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm 28. I wrote the book from when I was like 23 to 27. And I, I'm not like, uh, you know, I'm not like this like rabbiton who's been through life and like teaching someone. It's really my journey. It's yeah. Really spoken from, it's written from first person. It's such a unique perspective because usually, I mean, the way that I see it is that the people that explore and really ask the questions are people that didn't grow up in the system and Judaism is new to them. And of course they have to ask questions, right? Not because the people who grew up religious don't have questions. Right. It's because the people who grew up religious are kind of expected, at least in the community I grew up in, it's not even that. Like If I would have asked these questions when I was 13, my father would have answered, but you don't. You don't right. Ask. I want to ask you about that because in the beginning you said that you were religious your whole life, you know, till you had your baby and you 
never really asked the questions because there was this fear of losing everything. Yeah. And then later on, right, so people have this fear. And then later on, when you did start asking questions, you were saying how like you didn't actually lose anything. What's that fear in the community? It was very scary. Well, I went to seven schools. I got kicked out of seven schools because I would ask. Also, I'm very chutzpahic. I don't have a filter. I'm very like, well, what do you mean? Like, just because you're older than me, I should just like, I don't know. I'm just like, not like that. So like, I got kicked out of school for asking questions. In fifth grade, we learned like Hashem's and the teacher was explaining how this means Hashem is angry. And I had moved to Israel a year before. So my Hebrew wasn't perfect. And I was like, I don't understand how Hashem has a nose because it says Hashem, like Hashem, like it's a saying that Hashem got angry, but it's something about his nose. And I'm like, right. Like, I don't understand how Hashem has a nose. You said Hashem doesn't have a body. So Hashem doesn't have a nose. So how do you know his nose? The whole thing didn't make sense. To me. Mm-hmm. So I got suspended for a week from the question. Yeah. She didn't. She was like, how dare you question Hashem and say that Hashem has like, how dare you even say these things? Wow. How dare you question the Chumash. And she, I got suspended for a week. And then there were other times where I was just like, like there were even bigger questions. I was like, how do you know that Moshe didn't write the Torah and pretend that Hashem wrote it? Like we were learning it, like Musa Gimbiad, we were learning the, how the Torah went from Moshe to us today, right? Like the whole, like Moshe, like all girls know this by heart. But mm-hmm. nobody, like, first of all, it doesn't mean anything to anybody. And second of all, like I was like, how do you know Moshe didn't write it? And she was like, like, how dare you? So then I got expelled. Wow. That was like, that was like a bad, like, that's what happened. Where's that coming from? Do you think these teachers are just like, are they ignorant? They're just ignorant. So like you call them out on like questions that they haven't even delved into ever. Yes, exactly. And wow. I think that a lot of times it's like, even in like, like I said, like I got kicked out of school in eighth grade. And people were right about my shidduchim. They were like, if you don't get into, if you don't get into school in eighth grade, you're not going to get into high school. And if you don't get into high school, you're not going to get any shidduchim. And I was like, what is this obsession with shidduchim? And now looking back, I'm like, you know, a lot of girls won't ask because if you ask questions, you're, even if you get the answers, you're considered like a questioning person. Mm-hmm. And it's bad for shidduchim. It's bad for shidduchim. So wow. you're not going to do that because you want to get married. This is also, this is my experience. Yeah, this is one community and it's your experience for sure. I mean, I can tell you that like based on the Instagram conversations I've had with people and the real mm-hmm. conversations I've had with people that I'm not the only person who's experienced yeah. this, but like there's this, this like unspoken idea of like you can ask, but there's like a limit to how deep and how much you can ask questions. It's not like if you ask a question, like nobody will outright tell you you can't ask questions. Right. But it's a fair. So I finally decided, like, you know what? Screw it. I'm asking. And then you got answers. Like, you were you were able... Was it, like, a smooth road? Is like, as an adult, you started asking questions. Did you just get a better reception because you were an adult? What happened? Not at all. Everybody was so angry at me. You're a feminist. This is why women shouldn't learn Torah. Stop questioning everything. Who's everybody? This is what we do. So originally, I didn't go to my father because my father, I was, I don't know, I I think I was nervous. I just didn't go to him. It was like my secret that I was questioning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I went to, I would like go to different shiurim and I would go to online classes and I would reach out to different rabbis that I thought maybe knew something about it that like had written articles and I would reach out to them and email them. I would bring it up at Chavez tables that we were at. Like, it was just like this thing that I was starting to explore. I was starting to, my son was like four months old and I was just starting to like put feelers out. 
And my, the immediate response, even from my husband, who is so supportive, was like, it's too, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Whatever. You're not going to understand. We don't question these things. Or a, lo- a big one was, we don't, the Gemara was a different time. We don't listen to everything the Gemara says. And I'm like, well, the, but then we like religiously listen to other things the Gemara said. So like, you can't just tell me that all the horrible things about women that the Gemara says are just, you know, we don't listen to those. You can't just like write them off. You can't just shrug them off. Right. If you believe in it, like, like if it's real, either it, you believe in it, it's or real. You believe in it, like decide. And like these, all these things, and like people would just tell me, like, oh, you don't understand. It was a different time period, or like this is why women aren't supposed to learn the Gemara, or like even about the Torah. This is how, this is why, like, like I've had people say such stupid things, and eventually I got so frustrated that I called my father and I was like, listen. I want to know the answers. I am asking because I want to know. I am not asking to cause drama. I'm not asking to cause issues. I really want to know the answer. And I'm not going to stop asking until I get an answer. So are you going to ready to give me answers? And he was like, this was coming for him out of the blue. So he was just like, yeah, sure. Like, what's your problem? <laughs> he was like, oh, great. What's your, what's your question? And I was like, wait, what? Then we started having a weekly chavrusa. Hmm, and he wouldn't so nice. give me the answers out straight out, right? He would give me like the sperm to go learn because he wanted me to learn it from me. That's amazing. That's like such a special gift. Were you able to open up a safer and learn? No, my husband taught me how. No, we don't know how to learn at all. And he sat with me and he learned. He taught me how to find like, you want to learn about something, how to find it. I'm doing it now with the gunas because I was like, I want to learn the whole sugya of our gunas from the beginning to the end with no agendas coming with absolutely no preconceived notions. Just what is it? What's going on? Let's learn it from start to finish. And I knew how because he had taught me. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, that's that's completely my husband's credit. He taught me everything. Even, he had so much patience. He sat with me and found everything with me. It's like the boys start learning from like five years old how to open a safer and learn, you know, and to start learning as an adult. It's like a it's really yeah. hard. And And it's not even just that because even the boys don't always learn how to learn completely because it's like, a lot of times it's more about the amount of pages you cover than about what's oh, actually interesting. Going so a lot of times even boys will like I've had I've had guys reach out to me on Instagram and like they're like, I love this, I love this, I love this. And I'm I'm really so surprised because I'm like, you have the opportunity to learn. But I happens to be I don't let guys talk to me on Instagram. It's like one of my like boundaries. Mm-hmm. But it, it was interesting to me to see that, that that guys also have but guys have more places they can go. Like they can go to different places to learn. But I'm sure there are also a lot of men with questions like that that don't feel like they can ask and don't feel like they're getting satisfactory answers. Because at the end of the day, it's whatever you're getting is coming through the, your teachers or it's coming through the system that's feeding it to you. So even if you have the ability to open up a safer and learn, like it's still, you still have like preconceived ideas about what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be learning. You know what I mean? So it's still a coming through. That's the problem like with... It's an ability to think for yourself. Like you really have to be able to think for yourself. And I think everyone could think for themselves, but not everybody is like brave enough to. And I have a sister who told me this outright she had a really big problem with my book and we're very close so it was bothering me that she had a problem and I just straight up asked her like what is your problem what am I doing that's so bad and we started talking about it and she was like I don't you're not you're supposed to be a simple Jew you're not supposed to ask so many questions you're supposed to be a simple Jew and I was like what are you talking about we're supposed to learn like a Malta you're you're supposed to like acquire the Torah you're not supposed to just like be a robot 
And we really were talking about it. And she said that she was like, maybe that's a problem in me that my faith is not strong enough that I'm scared that if I question, I might come to different conclusions. That's such a big one. This very, I know. And I was like, whoa, that was so much. Wow. That's so honest of her to be able to even even admit that. Yeah. Like even that was already like such a huge step for both of us that she was just like able to say that and put it out there. And it's not true, by the way. She's like one of the biggest sadegases I know. She was just like saying, like, maybe it's just a fear that we have inside of us of like, what if I come to a conclusion I'm not okay with? And then what? It's yeah. scary. Because your whole life scary. is based on this, you know, on your yeah, you faith. Yeah, you your whole life based on this. Yeah. Yeah. And then what? Like, now what? Okay. Scary. It's a scary thing to do. For me, it was like the other option was to be like just empty of any meaningfulness in my life. So for me, like there there was, I didn't have that fear of what if I come to a conclusion I don't like. I didn't have that. Interesting. Because I was already in such a bad place that for me, anything would have been better. Right. I think for some people, like the rituals of like religious Judaism and the community and like the holidays and the family, you know, like the whole setup of it is maybe enough. Like maybe that's enough for some people and they're okay to not question and not know what their beliefs are. But then for other people, like it's not enough. And I think for long-term Judaism, like I I feel like there's this fear in the Jewish community of like our kids have to stay from, our kids have to stay from. So they have to do it no matter what, even if they don't like it, even if like don't let them question because what if they come to different answers that and they leave the derech. But like for long-term, it's, such a bad plan because people need at some point like the way the generations are going people need a personal connection with judaism to hold on there's to also it a matter of like control where like there's a lot of controlling going on because there's a fear of kids going off the deck a lot of not not telling kids everything because you're scared a lot of filtering like it's okay it's okay to like be in the world and and to choose hashem yeah it's not it's long-term, it doesn't. You're right. It's like it's long-term Judaism, it's not going to work. Yeah, I feel like it, there's a lot of Holocaust trauma that rippled down into this like controlling system of like, if we don't keep the faith, if we don't keep our kids in the system, like Judaism is going to be gone. Like, I just, I feel like a lot of things come back to this Holocaust trauma. Right before the, last the few Holocaust happened, like right before the Holocaust happened, there was a lot of, then and then like in youth, there was a lot of people leaving the community yeah and and people see the holocaust as like punishment for that but people do see it decide why hashem did something it's so usher it's so gaivadik it's so wrong people do it all the time with every tragedy that happens and it's always the women's fault it's never men's fault and it's just like it's really wrong If you like these sorts of conversations, you will love my picture book, Spark. Spark is a whimsical modern book that introduces kids and adults to their inner world. Children love the cute illustrations and metaphors, and reading Spark is a great way to start a conversation about feelings, self-empowerment, and the soul. You can get it on Amazon by searching for my name, S.D. Raskin. That's E-S-T-Y-R-A-S-K-I-N. If you like it, leave a review. And I always love hearing your feedback on Instagram. You can find me there at SD Raskin. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Tell me about your relationship with Chabad. With Chabad? Yeah. I have a funny relationship. Okay, well, one of my mentors is Chabad. Okay, maybe that's what I saw. Manya Manya Lazarov is one of my mentors, and she's an incredible human being. 
I don't really ascribe to any one place in Judaism. It's I really find inspiration from a lot of different places. My rabbi is Rabbi Moshe Weinberger. And like, whatever, we have like, we have a Moshe Weinberger as like our rabbi we go to and whatever, but we kind of take from everyone. But it's very interesting because I do have a lot of Chabad girls message me mm-hmm. and half of them will say, oh, if you would just come to Chabad, all your questions would be answered. And the other half tell me that they were never allowed to question in Chabad. Yeah. And it's, it's very so interesting that there's such, I don't know. Yeah, there's a divide. A different view. Yeah. Yeah. Because we do learn a lot of the like reasons behind things and like the spiritual reasons. But at the same time, there's still this from mentality of like you stick with the party line type of thing, you know, and it's not so encouraged. I guess it's also like the parents you grew up with, the school you grew up in, like there is a lot of diversity. But I totally see that. It depends on your parents. Yeah. It always depends on your parents. That's for sure. But I do love Chabad. I just don't think that I don't I wouldn't say that I take so much from Chabad. I would just say that I would say I take this the same as I take from anywhere else. Okay. But I do think that the Chabad Rebbe was an amazing, huge tzaddik and Talmud Chacham. Even the previous Chabad Rebbe not just the last one. And I do think that they had a lot of amazing Torahs and I, I learned them a lot and I do what else. I also have a lot of wish. Ari Kaplan in my book. I, I also mm-hmm. quote him a lot in my book. And I also have a lot of Rab Nachman in my book. There's definitely like in Chabad, like so much richness and so much dogma at the same time. Like so much, like I said, like you keep to the party line. Like there's this like mission and there's this belief system. And it's like you're betraying something if you don't stick to it, which is so weird to me because. No, but it's not just Chabad. It's like that also in the Asia. I think it's like that everywhere. It's like. Like, listen, I grew up in a house where we're doing a lot of Kira. It was like, my father is a huge rob. It was like, we don't, neighbors don't do that. Like, my friends would go out on walks Friday night. The stupidest thing. My friends would go out on walks Friday night around the Chemish, and I was never allowed to join them because neighbors don't do that. Haber, like your family name. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, like different things like that, where there's just like a certain pride in what uh-huh. we do. And we stick to, like you said, we like, we stick to the party line. We don't do that. Mm-hmm. And there's like, there's kind of like a loss of like the individual. Right. And what you're going through. But on the other hand, there's so much beauty in, in the Jewish community and in Judaism. Like the Jewish yeah. community is such a support. Like if, if there's a Jew in trouble, like in minutes, they'll be helped. It's yeah. like not, there's, it's very funny. I guess where there's potential, I think it's like in Israel, where there's potential for a lot of Kedusha, there's going to be a lot of potential for Tama. You can't mm-hmm. have both. I mean, you can't have one. You have to have both. So uh-huh. I do think that's what it comes down to. And we have to make sure to use all of it for positive, for sharing and for accepting each other. I don't think anybody was meant to put other Jews down. I don't think that was ever what we were supposed to do. Right. Okay, I want to ask you about, you mentioned this a little bit, about your idea of God, your idea of Hashem, how that looked to you, and if it's different now than when you were a teenager so I always grew up with this, like, Avram Avinu in my head. Like Hashem as Avram Avinu? Yeah, Hashem uh-huh. is, like, this, like, old man with, like, a long beard. Uh-huh. Kind of imagine him as, like, a giant and, like, we're, like, in his hand. Like, uh-huh. kind of holding planet, the universe in his hands. Uh-huh. And then as I, like, started learning, I actually had a huge faith crisis, like, a year in. Because I started learning about who the creator is. And how really there's no physicality to him at all. And I really started struggling and I really had a hard time davening. 
because it was like I didn't have anything to picture in my head. Mm-hmm. And you and you're and I was like, you're not supposed to picture anything because that's what desire. But like, I need to picture something. I can't talk to the air, and I didn't know like what to do. And I really had a very big crisis. And then my father told me to look into the names of Hashem. So I started learning different names of Hashem, and I started learning how Yud K Vav K is like Yud is like the arm, and He is like Hashem's hands, and Vav is no Yud is Hashem, He is His hand, Vav is like the arm. And then the next day is our hands taking. And sh- the words Yud Kei are like the channel through which Hashem gives to us and which we give to Hashem. That's like the, the channel between us and Hashem. So you can, Chazal mm-hmm. say that you can envision Yud Kei when you're davening. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that, but for some, like I like that idea theoretically, but for some reason when I was davening, I couldn't connect to it at all. Very, very, very hard time. And then I started learning more and more and how there's these 10 spheros that Hashem comes to the world, that like the light of Hashem beams through. And then I just, in my head, it started imagining Hashem as just this like all-encompassing light energy, kind of like an energy that is a light. When that light touches anything, or like when the sun touches something, it like comes alive. So like when that light touches and through that light, kind of like a projector. Mm-hmm. You know how like a projector will shine a light on a wall and then on the wall there's a picture? Right. So kind of like it's like a projector and Hashem is a light and that light is everywhere and it's it's unending and it's infinite. And then when I can connect to that, that that light and that that light has an energy, that's been like my easiest, that's been like what's been working for me. To so you had something to visualize. Yeah. And so like it's not even just to visualize because even if I'm stressed out, I can, I can imagine the light going into me. I can mm-hmm. meditate on on like the fact that I have a piece of that light inside of me and that that, that light can surround me and hug me and hold me and support me and bring me whatever I need and it can get in through the tiniest little crack. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no, there's no way to block out light completely. So for me, that was like been the easiest fulfilling way for me to connect to Hashem. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. And then I started learning about symptom and really that's really what symptom is. It's that we are really just a kind of like uh, symptom is is just really like a projector like Hashem is the light and we are just a part of that light we are like the outcome of that like a, a projector on the wall that like focuses the light into a specific yeah like form yeah we're like bringing some of that light in and then every time we do a mitzvah we bring more light every time we have a child we bring more light do you write about this in your book yeah there's a whole chapter and then when we take like when we take something that was dark and we we were like Malani Tilsos, right? We make it into something that was light. So we're bringing God's light into like the darkest places of the earth. And then when the whole entire earth is covered in light, it's very like long and detailed. There's like a whole chapter about it. Okay, good. But it, it's, very, it. it's very, very interesting. It's very interesting. That's been like working for me. That's where I settled, kind of. Okay, here's a question for you. What do you think we can do better in the Jewish community in terms of honoring the individual and spiritual, even mental health. I'll tell you what, I really think, and I, I don't want to say like less and hard about Jewish people. I really think that we're a very incredible nation. I do think that the judgment, this like, you know, Hashem gave us a mitzvah, he gave us this mitzvah because it's our natural tendency to judge. We're going to judge. It's going to happen. We're going to judge. It's, it's a defense mechanism. But I do think that we all should try to judge favorably and give space to people on their journeys and their mistakes. And people make mistakes and people have pitfalls and people go into depression and people have ups and downs in their lives. And 
to give people that space to just to, to go on their journey and not fix them, not try to force them to do something, just be there for them, support them, but give them that space. I think, I think if we would all just do that for each other, no matter where we are in our religious journey or our mental health journey or anything, I think that will be okay. Like I, I don't, I have two children. I don't have more. My youngest is five, right? I had a daughter before I had my son. This is something so stupid, but it like, it brings the point across. I, I have so many stupid comments made to me weekly about the fact that I don't have more children, whether it's for somebody saying I'm pregnant, asking me if I'm pregnant, or asking me when I'm going to get over myself and have more kids. When am I going to stop being dramatic? What's the matter? The doctor said you can't have more kids. Is it that you can't? I don't want more kids. I'm happy with where I am. And these people have created a situation where I literally for six months was so sad that I can't have more kids. I could have more kids. If I wanted to, I could have more kids, but I can't have more kids right now. And it was eating me up inside. And I felt so horrible and terrible. And I felt like I was missing out on something and poor me. And I was like, I went to therapy and I was talking to my therapist and I was like, you know, I don't even want another kid. Like, honestly, if, if I found that I was pregnant right now, I'd be stressed out. I don't want another kid. I'm happy with my boy and my girl and I don't want another kid, but all of this judgment and this telling me that I have to do something and like not giving me that space to just be a mom of two kids. It, it created a mental, like it created an emotional issue for me. Mm -hmm. And like, and that's something silly because I could have more kids. So like imagine for someone who can't, right? Or imagine for someone who's going through anything else in life where there's just like, everybody it has their own path and their own journey and their own stuff that they're going to go through. And if we're, we could just be support systems for each other and help and just, just be there for each other. We don't have to fix everything for other people or mm -hmm. tell them how to live their lives. Just be there and yeah. accept them, accept people for who they are. Then I think that like, I, I have a friend who messaged me and it's, it was really funny. Is there someone who messaged me on Instagram? She's going through so much whatever she goes through this whole journey she doesn't know where she belongs in Judaism and her parents are so unaccepting and they are so afraid of her and they don't let her talk to her younger siblings and it's so hard for her and then I had this mom message me and she's telling me it's so hard for her because her daughter just got married and like she's going off the dark all of a sudden and it's out of nowhere and she thinks it's her husband anyways after like a few days I realized that it's the same mom and daughter no like, way messaged me that is crazy and I was able to like I was able <laughs> because I was talking to her and to, and to her it was insane I was able to like reconnect them because I was able to tell each other like without telling them that I'm speaking to the other person like what the other person needed but the wow. whole entire thing was she was like I can't let her I was like just love her just need to love her she's going through a journey she will find her place she will land just love her while she's going through this journey and she was like but what about my the bound I have boundaries she can't just walk into my house like this and, and I was like then then and you can you can set boundaries like you can tell her I accept you and I'm here for you. But when you come to my house, I need you to cover your hair. We need you to cover your hair when you come to my house. You don't have to cover your hair when you're somewhere else. But when you come to visit us for Shabbos, we need you to cover our hair because it's uncomfortable for Tati. Okay. And she was like, fine with it. Like, you don't have to violate your boundaries in order to support somebody else. You can have somebody come and set your boundaries and everybody can be respectful. My husband says, well, then you can all be, if everybody could respect each other, it can be fine. I spent a year not keeping Shabbos. And my husband was a rub of a shul. But because he made like space for me to like really just be my own person and we each had our boundaries we didn't cross, it worked. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to violate, your, I'm not saying violate your boundaries in order to support somebody, but I just think it's important to be able to make that space for other people and realize that their religion doesn't define us and their mental health and emotional health doesn't define us and we can just be there for each other. That's, and I think that, will, I honestly think that will bring Mashiach. That's all we need to do. Like just have us clean them.
you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, like a lot of looking outward and maybe it's a distraction from working on our own selves. Yeah. Right. A lot of focus on community, society, society norms. Like what are people going to say? A lot of focus on that, of how things look. Right. There's not enough focus on like, on like why, why, but why do you do it and, and what you're doing? Whatever. We all have enough to work on on ourselves. We don't have to work on other people. We have enough. There's enough yeah. to do. And it's fine. I want to ask you about that boundaries thing. That was really interesting. Um, how you said that. Do you think that that for parents of children that are going through a difficult time, you know, not being able to keep what the parents consider baseline even, do you think they should set boundaries like that? Is that was that like a specific example or is that would you say that across the board? I think it's across the board. I'll tell you what, like my husband and I have been in different places religiously since we got married. It's like completely changed. The levels have changed over time, but We've never been in the same place religiously. And it was like kind of a joke. We were set up as a joke that somebody set us up to like prove to me that I should pick whatever. It was like a whole joke. So like the fact that we got married is hilarious, but we really don't make any sense. But I think that when two people are differing in how they're going to live and they still want to have a relationship, you have to have red lines. So we have our red lines. So for example, I couldn't keep Shabbos. I was very depressed and sitting alone, letting my brain go wherever it wanted to go was creating suicidal thoughts. So I needed to watch TV, but he didn't want me to watch TV. And he didn't want my kids to see me being Michal Shabbos. For him, that was very important. His red line was that our kids should know what Shabbos is, should experience Shabbos. And my red line was that you can't tell me to keep Shabbos. I, you, I need to be able to watch TV. So I didn't watch TV in front of the kids. Mm-hmm. They were like tiny, whiny baby. They were literally like six months old and, a, and two years old. They were tiny. It wasn't hard. They, they took naps and they slept a lot and they went to shul with him and I had my time and I watched, I did in front of the kids. I was completely shown Shabbos. So we each set our red line and then we didn't cross each other's red line. We were very respectful of each other's red lines. Like I didn't want him to tell me how to dress. I can dress however I want. But for him, he was like, when we're with my family, do you mind? You don't have to like dress the way that like they expect you to dress, but can you dress like in a skirt and cover your hair? Okay, I can do that. That's fine. I can see that in a marriage, but what about in a parent-child relationship? Like, there's always a middle ground. Everybody has to be willing to compromise. Like, both sides have to be willing to compromise for real. But there's always going to be, like, a middle ground where you can find a place where both of you are happy. I mean, we, we did it with Nida. If you could do it with Nida, you could do it with anything. <laughs> yeah, I think for a couple, it's two adults kind of, like, deciding if they're going to accept each other or not, you know? It's true, but a parent is allowed to set boundaries. Parents shouldn't be afraid of their children. And my father always used to say that, that in Ramabha Chama, she he would like, parents would come to him with like problems with their kids and he'd be like, why are you afraid of your children? You should have a very loving, firm relationship. But like, if my father told me not to do something, I wouldn't do it. And I wouldn't take it as like, oh, I'm going to go off the deck. Like my father loved me. He made sure to show me that the rest of the time. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like he made sure to create that foundation so that he could really, he could set the, the rules when he needed to. I guess it's important to when you're making those boundaries, like even with your kids, let's say, to really explore for yourself what's really important to you and why it's important to you. Because sometimes like you'll just be reactionary and like put the Shabbos table and it's like some people will be like the Shabbos table is like the least of my concerns. You know what I mean? Like it's just important to really think about these things like, yes, set your boundaries and respect yourself, but think about it like instead of going with what's your knee-jerk reaction you know is because we kind of we have 
expectations on so many levels with so many things but like if you sit also down and do think about it soul searching like really do some soul searching like yeah really like for me my husband wearing a bakasha is like oh i hate it i really hate it so much but like once i like really thought about it I was like i really don't like it for such a stupid reason and he's happy and he wants to wear it like it's fine just let him wear the stupid bakasha like it's not worth so once you think about it like past the knee-jerk reaction like you really are like sometimes those knee-jerk reactions are actually fine yeah it's also important for it to be a conversation it shouldn't be like these are my rules and this is mm-hmm. what i'm setting it should be like look, look i understand what are your red lines like how can we make this something that you're okay with and how can we make it something that i'm okay with yeah i love how you say that because it feels like when someone is doing something that's so contrary to your values or what you think your values are you know even if you haven't really thought about them it feels like you're like in a battle against each other and like someone's gonna win but at the end of the day it's like the relationship is what you want and the relationship is why you care about this in the first place and if you come together to work towards keeping or improving the relationship between the two of you then like you said a conversation communication is really vital communication is vital and respecting each other's lines and being willing to come like they both have to be willing to compromise like you both have to compromise and otherwise it's not gonna work it's just not there's just no way <laughs> you're speaking from experience I'm to, <laughs> no i'm speaking from experience like i'm trying to figure things but no you have to really be willing to compromise you really and you're saying like it's an adult so it's too adult but like really if a kid is on this journey they're really able to think and they're really able to be that person and if not then you know, like I said, you give them the space without, but you've set down your boundaries very clearly. Like, listen, I understand you're going through something and I'm here for you, but these are my boundaries and you have to respect them. And it's, you know what I'm saying? Everybody has their boundaries. Like this goes into like a whole another conversation about codependency and standing up for yourself and being able to really not let people violate your boundaries. But I think it comes down to that at the end of the day of not letting, not letting someone walk all over you. Obviously, I don't have teenagers. Maybe if you speak to me <laughs> in 10 years, I'll have a completely different answer. But I think there's also a qualification here whether I don't want to get into it and I'm not definitely not an expert on the subject, but there is like just a qualifier. If there's like trauma involved in the situation, it might not be the same kind of discussion, the same kind of boundary setting than if it's not. Do you know what I mean? Like we're talking about people. Trauma changes did everything. Yeah. So it's it's a separate discussion. Like here we're talking about relatively healthy people that are stable and can have this kind of discussion. So I just want to throw that in there. If in case anyone was like, you know, some people are not capable of that. Some teenagers cannot come to that kind of conversation. Right. And also every single person should have a mentor that they respect and that they look up to and that they think knows what they're talking about, that they can ask for their specific situation what to do. Like the Torah says, you're supposed to have a person that you can speak to. Yeah, I super believe in that. And I also find it super hard to find those people and approach those people. Do you know what I mean? So I have yeah. a whole segment on how to find somebody. Oh, good. How to do it. But yeah, because I do think it's very important. I think a lot of people nowadays don't have someone they can talk to. And they have a lot of bad feelings about rabbis. People don't really respect rabbis. Like the respect for rabbis is kind of like going away. And people have weird relationships with rabbis. And I think that it's very important to find somebody that like, look, for me, for a long time, it was my father. I could speak to him about anything. And I really think he's very, very smart. But for my husband, it wasn't my father. He like he was like, he's my father-in-law. Like, I'll talk to him about this. Right. So we found somebody that we both felt that way about. And we go, like, that's Ramosha Weinberger. And we talked to him about whatever we need to talk to him about. But it's very important to find someone like that. 
and not to be so arrogant to say you don't need somebody it's just gonna hurt you right don't tell me what to do at the end of the day you get to make your decisions you know you get to make your own choices it's not like yeah you shouldn't it's not a dictator it's no, just and guidance if it, and if it's someone who's telling you that you're like gonna go to hell if you don't listen to him then he's not a good one. yeah you should feel comfortable with someone you know if you're going to be listening to them. 100%. Okay. One last question for you before we finish up. Okay. Do you have a personal motto or a mantra, something that you live with? Like my motto? Yeah. Well, maybe not a motto, but something that you keep coming back to when things are hard or when you are advising other people. Like what's something that is something you really live by? So I work really hard. I don't really rest a lot. And it's something that's been my like biggest motto in like not having anxiety is I do my best, Hashem does the rest. Mm. Like there is an element of control that Hashem has in the world. No, there's huge debates on how much control he has, but we all know he has an element of control. So like this idea of I will do my absolute best and then I'm going to let go and let God and he will do the rest and he'll take care of it. And I can't do more than my best. So there's no point in struggling. There's like trying to do more than that and being anxious about it. So for me, it's really like something that's come up a lot. And it's still here and it still comes up a lot. Is I do my best. Hashem does the rest. And that's it. And there's like another one that came up. That, that's like my, my work one. And then the one that came up in like therapy was to be my own safe space. Mm-hmm. that I am I am my own safe space and I can go in that's what I was saying with like the light that I can go into myself and I can find that safe space inside of me and I don't need other people to be that safe space for me that aren't relying on other people to be that safe space for me I can be my own safe space and then once I'm in that safe space I always am like okay I'm gonna do my best so I'm gonna do the rest <laughs> it like kind of works together what does that mean to be your own safe space like we all need somewhere that we can go to like take a deep breath and think things through and, you know, think rationally and logically about things that are really stressing us out and get to that peaceful place where we know what the right thing is to do and then do it and feel right about it. And for a long time, I was looking for someone I can talk to that I can talk it out with and someone that I can always be real with and always be honest and vulnerable with always, all the time, which is not realistic because nobody can be that way for you at the drop of a hat. Nobody. And eventually I really got to a place where like I can be that person for me and I can be that person who stands up like I need to go be alone right now. And I'll say that to my husband, like I'll, I'll tell him like, I need a few hours and he'll, and he knows and I'll get in my car and I'll drive to some park and I'll turn on my music and then I'll sit in the park and I'll like just breathe and just like rationally go through it. Like what's upsetting me? What do I need to get out of this? How do I, how am I going to get that? And it's like a very logical step-by-step thing. And then it always ends with, okay, I'm going to do my best. And Hashem's going to do the rest. So it's like this idea of going into yourself and finding that safe space within yourself to do it so that you're not relying on other people and their mood swings and whatever. I love <laughs> that. That's really beautiful. That's really beautiful. That's what I tried to do. That's why I just went to Israel. That was one of the... I was just like, I need some time. I need to go refill. Like, that's what I need. I was like, kept on, kept on getting upset. And then I just, I just went to a park and I just sat and I just thought about it. I, I went to the, to the water. I just sat and I thought about it. And I was like, you know, what? I, I really need to go to Israel. 
I really need to go. And it just like, it, it came up for me and I was like, okay, this is what I need to do. And you know what? It, I was right. Yeah, <laughs> it worked. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it really worked to hang out with all the people that, that I needed to hang out with and it really worked. That's great. So yeah, that's what that's how I live my life. Okay, I really love that. Thanks for sharing that. All right, can you tell people how to find you, how to find your book, if they want to order or support it? So I am on Instagram at questioning the answers and there's a link in my bio to pre-order the book or support it or read about it and see the events that I'm, that we're doing and all of that kind of stuff. Okay. Amazing. Okay. Thank you so much, Kayla, for joining us. It was, I thank really you. learned thank a lot you from so you. You can co-create this podcast with me by sending feedback and ideas for future episodes to sd at co-create.cafe. That's E-S-T-Y at co-create.cafe or on Instagram at SD Raskin. If you like this episode, you can help more people listen to it by sharing it and by leaving a review. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.